0: Good morning. morning. Thank you for joining us here in worship this morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. So glad that you are here um, this morning as we come together around the Lord's table. And before we do that, I'm just going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer this morning. Father, we do want to give you the praise and the glory for what you did by sending Jesus, your only Son, to the cross to die for our sins. And Father God, may we, uh, may we come this morning and take communion. May we come around your table, the Eucharist. God, with a sense of humble thanksgiving for what you did so long ago on the cross. And Father God, this morning I pray that your Holy Spirit would just search our hearts Convict us, change us from the inside out, God. But Father, I pray that through true confession, we would shed the guilt, the turmoil of our past. And God, may we place that on you because that's the exact reason that you came to die. was for our sins. And this morning, I pray that you would help us realize that there's a massive difference between guilt and conviction. And Father, that you would bring us to conviction, you would bring us to the place of repentance, God, so that we can live in the freedom that you intended for us to live in. Father God, I pray for those who may be here today, who may not even be Christ followers. I pray that today is their day of salvation. And I pray that you would speak to them in a unique way. And let them hear your gospel message, your message of good news in a way that they need to this morning so that they can come to the cross as well. Guide our time. May you be pleased with everything that's said and everything that's sung. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There indeed is a huge difference between guilt and conviction, isn't there? There's a huge difference between simple regret and deeply moved heart contrition. One has to do with human conscience. The other has to do with God's Holy Spirit moving and plotting and working and pushing us towards true repentance, true sorrow for what we've done. There was a man a long time ago by the name of King David. Many of you know his story. He was a leader of one of the most advanced powers of that day, and David could do just about anything that he wished and get away with it. King David was renowned around the world. He had unlimited power, absolute civil power. No one could question. No one could question that or take it away. David's story, as many of you know, is one of lust that was taken to it. its an extreme, an impulse turned to action deception completely out of control, and finally the willing murder of a friend, so that David could have what he wanted, what he wanted. No one would have ever thought that the same man who wrote the words of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, he guides me in paths of righteousness, and I shall dwell in the house of of the Lord forever. No one ever dreamed, you couldn't conceive, of the fact that this king who was so humble before God could do something so incredibly vile, but he did, didn't he? He did. He was human, not divine. And David's potential for evil was just as strong as any other person's potential for evil. And I want you to hear this this morning. We're no different. We're no different. We have the same potential in us, because we're human, to do the most heinous acts, those things that we couldn't even conceive of, maybe in a younger year or at a different time. And yet sometimes humans do those things. Sometimes even Christ followers do those things, which we never thought, we never dreamed that we could do. And we do it so that we can have more power, so that we can have more wealth, so that we can have more of what we covet, of what we want, and we want it with absolutely no strings attached, absolute power. In Romans, the Apostle Paul says that there's not one who's righteous, not not even one. And so you and I, by virtue of being born into this world, fall into the same exact category as David did. We are human With all the frailty that goes along with that, but also with the propensity and potential to do evil that goes along with that. No one would have ever known David's murderous plot. He might have even seemed innocent the way things worked out to those who were casual onlookers. It was David and God and the prophet Nathan who knew of David's intent in his actions but his reign now tainted with scandal, his heart that was once pure now defiled by sin and by his actions and sinful scheming, his flesh fully in control, and his decision-making deceived. David became convicted as soon as Nathan confronted him. As soon as Nathan confronted him, he became convicted and he felt true heart contrition, humbled himself to the point of asking God for forgiveness for what he wanted. It was true, true humility and true repentance. He now needed to reestablish the broken relationship that he had with God. He needed to be cleansed and made pure again in God's eyes and in right standing with God. And in Psalm 51, we read David's cry for pardon from his sins. This wasn't guilt or conscience. This was God's Holy Spirit. Please, I don't want you to miss this before we read it. This was God's Holy Spirit working in David's heart, deeply down in the depths of his heart, working on his heart to the point where he was humble before God, asking for complete and utter forgiveness for what he had done. He was asking for true repentance, a pardon for what he had done. And so today, as we come to the table, I want us to be reminded that true repentance is part of taking communion. It's part of the Eucharist, part of the Lord's Supper. It's part of in our giving thanks for what God did on the cross, Paul says that we should examine ourselves. An examination will often, because we're human, require some sort of repentance. And so we take the Holy Eucharist, giving thanksgiving this morning for what Christ did on the cross. But I want us to have a specific emphasis this morning on the conviction of sin and repentance from our former ways. It's interesting, in these first two months of 2013 here at Hilton Head Highland Community Church, we've dealt with some very difficult issues, haven't we? Um, You know, we came right out of the gates with a message series on money, not exactly an easy issue to overcome. And the second thing we did is we came out of the gates with a message series on how you use your words. And so money and mouth, two very difficult issues, admittedly. And I know over the past few months, um, I've had on more than one occasion times where God has convicted me in the area of finance, and the area of my words. And so as we come to the table this morning, I want us to read David's words and I want us to have a time, even before we enter the Easter season, where we get our hearts right with God. If there's any a chasm, any separation between us and God, that we get that right before we enter the Easter season. I want to encourage all of us to enter into a period of self-examination here over the next few moments together. I'm sure it's not murder that you're guilty of. But you know what? We all have things in our life that we can confess, that we can get rid of. Because the lasting impact of confession and repentance is so much sweeter than the lasting impact of guilt, isn't it? Guilt lasts years and years and years and years. You know what God said about our sin? He said the moment that you ask for forgiveness, you'll be forgiven doesn't last long. You go to God once and he forgives you of whatever you are guilty of. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 51. If you don't, the words will be on the screen this morning. And I'm going to read these words and I've placed a specific emphasis on some of the words that I want you to focus on as we kind of get prepared to take communion. I want you also to hear these words and read these words, not from the standpoint of an academic study of the words, but I want you to hear the heart of David in these words. Complete contrition, complete absolute asking humbly for forgiveness for his affair with Bathsheba and his murder of her husband, Uriah the Hittite. Here's what David says. Here's what the the, the man who committed these things said to God in his moment of confession. He says this, verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, he says, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. That's a, a word for sin. And cleanse me from my sin. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me isn't that what guilt does by the way it puts your sin always in front of you we experience it over and over and over and over again and so some of you are here today and you're held bondage by things that you did years and maybe even decades ago David dealt with this same thing for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me Verse seven, I want you to take a look at verse 7, 8, 9, because you begin to see a transition in David's tone and his attitude. He says this, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He's pouring out to God, asking to be cleansed from the sin that he's committed. But look at verse eight. Here's where the transition begins. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. If you're in here today and you're dealing with something in your past, you can have joy and gladness when you get to the point that you confess what you've done to God and ask for his forgiveness. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, here's my favorite part, restore to me the joy of your salvation. We need that sometimes, don't we? When we've done something that we know is wrong, when we've treated someone the way that we, our flesh wants to treat him, and uphold me with a willing spirit, then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud your righteousness. Do you see David's attitude begin to change as the psalm goes on? Now that he's been cleansed, now that he's asked forgiveness, he starts to tell God what he can do for him. He starts to bring a real sacrifice, not something he sacrificed for himself. 15, O Lord, open my lips And my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build the walls in Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifice and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. You see, David had sacrificed a life for his own good. And through his period of confession, through his period of remorse, through his period of crying out for God's forgiveness, you know what he realized? That his job in life, all of our jobs in life, if we are Christ followers, if we are God followers, is to bring God a right sacrifice. That's our lives living our lives with righteousness that can only be found in a relationship with him. I don't know about you, but when I read these words, you know what I think of? I think of a child who has done something wrong, and their parents found out about it. And they go through the punishment, they go through the results of that, and then at some point in time, their parents begin to wrap their arms, and the child is reaching out, asking for forgiveness, asking for love, asking for hope, asking for a new, fresh start. That's the picture I have of David reaching upwards to God, saying, Please, God, forgive me for what I've done. Please wrap me up in your arms of love and mercy and grace. But notice that he only gets to that point after he's had a period of crying out to God for what he had done, for the sins that he had committed. There's some of you who are here this morning, and you need to have that type of restoration with God the Father. You want to reach your arms up and ask for his mercy and ask for his grace and ask for his love. And for some of you, it's only going to come after you humble yourself and confess and give up all that guilt, all that baggage, all that junk, just like David did, to God. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, I'm going to ask, over the next few moments together, after the band gets up here, after I'm done praying, I'm going to ask that you do so at your, at your leisure. Because I, here's what I want you to do this morning. I'm going to ask that you take some time for self-examination. Examine your heart with God. Ask him, say, God, just like David did, find any wicked way within me. Find if there's anything that I need to confess. And take your time and get that right with God before you come to the Lord's table. I I don't know about you, but self-examination for me doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen in 30 seconds or a minute. I need some time. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we take communion, and you're going to come up, you're going to receive communion from the ushers. You're going to receive the, the juice and the bread that represents Jesus' uh, blood and his body. And you can take those. You can go around the room anywhere here and take those. You can come over here to the cross and take it to the cross. You can go back in your seat and take it. And slowly over these next few moments uh, together, um, I, I, I want to encourage you to do that. But I want you to have a focus on self examination, on confession and asking for for God's forgiveness. The cross station is going to be open this morning over these next moments together. And if you want to come up to the cross station, um, there'll be some folks here who can pray with you if you want to have someone pray with you. And so I want you to take this time and just really do some serious talking with God about your life. These past two months haven't been easy talking about the subjects that we've been talking about. And many of you have given me some of your stories about God working in your life. And many of them involve confessing things to God. You can take communion in your seat. You can just spend time in your seat. That's fine. Or you can move around the room, whatever you prefer. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower... I want to encourage you. Um, The Bible says don't take communion if you're not a Christ follower. But I want to encourage you. I want to give you the invitation to receive him this morning. Maybe you're the one that, as I was talking about a a thing from long ago that's been uh, just gnawing at you, bugging you, keeping you uh, in the bondage of guilt. uh, Maybe you need to become a Christ follower today. Maybe for the first time you need to declare with your mouth that you believe that Jesus died for your sins. And so if you're in here today and you're ready to do that in your worship folder this morning, there's a little paragraph I want to encourage you to read. It walks you through the steps to become a Christ follower. And if you want help with that, I'll be down here. I'd be glad to pray with you and talk to you. Um, But I want to encourage you, if you're in here and you're not a Christ follower, make that decision today. Jesus came to die for your sins so that you can have eternal life with God when you die. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't made that step, please do. If you are a Christ follower, I want to encourage you to come to the Lord's table in a spirit of humility and confession, and as the word Eucharist means, thanksgiving for what God did through Jesus on the cross. Will you pray with me? Father, receive our sacrifice as pure and as holy. And God, I pray that you would Search this room, that your Holy Spirit would be here. God, that we would, on our knees, in our chairs, standing, whatever it may be, God, that you would convict our hearts, that you would search our lives. God, bring to remembrance those things that we did that keep us from you and keep us from having fellowship with you and with others. And God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that if there's anyone in here today who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. And that they would put their full trust, their hope for eternity in what you did on the cross. And God, as we begin to enter that Easter season, I pray that we would um, just be holy and come to you with righteous, pure hearts. And sometimes that involves confession. Sometimes it involves pouring our hearts out to you like David did to you. And I pray that we would do that this morning. And God, as we take the bread and as we take the cup, Father, I pray that we would remember with thanksgiving what you did on the cross. Help us to be ever mindful of the sacrifice that you made. And Father, the sacrifice of our confession or the sacrifice of our lives pales in comparison to what you did on the cross for us so that we can have eternity with you in heaven one day.